All right, so last week we started a new series called Take Captive, and I thought it was extremely good for me. Did anyone else enjoy last week's sermon, Take Captive? And uh, I think it was really good. And so anyways, this series continues today. Uh, last week, just to, to recap, if you weren't here, essentially it, it, it stems from the verse. I'm going to read it here again in a minute. Uh, teaching us to take captive every thought, knowing that in our brain we can have uh, uh, strongholds, which um, basically are, are thoughts that, that cause you to make you feel like you're a prisoner of a situation that God never wanted you to even enter into your brain. And so, but oftentimes we feel like we're victims or there's a situation that we're never going to be good enough or we're trapped. And, uh, and so the Lord is, is asking us to take captive every thought, every thought, not some thoughts, but every thought that comes into our brain and make it obey Christ. And so we talked a lot about... Um, neuropathways and how our brain over time will learn to just believe certain things and become certain things and just easily your brain will slip into a scenario and just be lazy in thoughts and so it, it, you'll be habitually thinking the same thing over and over and over again but you can change your thoughts you can become the person you want to be uh, you you can be who God's calling you to be uh, right we need to pray. This ain't going to work here. Uh, Lord Jesus, we need you. Lord, help. Um, we don't need uh, a, a word from Tim Broughton today. We do need a word from you, though. I am asking that you would speak to me and to every member, uh, 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 every person attending here today. So uh, would you have your way? Amen. As uh, we jump into this, uh, we're talking today a little bit about what God called good that we somehow called bad. What God called good yet we somehow convinced ourselves that it was bad or the things that the Lord called bad that we somehow convinced is good. That's where we're going to go later today as we get into this. The scripture we're using is a lot that we used last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power, dunamis power, to demolish strongholds. For we demolish arguments in our head, every pretentious thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive. Everyone say, we take captive. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And sometimes this can be a terrible thing. And so we want to ask yourselves today, what are you thinking? What is going through your brain on Tuesday at 4.30, what is on your brain when no one is asking you to think about anything? When you get an opportunity to drive home and daydream about whatever, what runs through that dome of yours? Uh, and so uh, it's pretty cool. I watched a video about two months ago when I was laying in bed with my wife. Uh, it was late at night, and she passed out, and I got to watch whatever I wanted at that point. And the kids are asleep, and, and uh, there was this video, and it, had, it was uh, Obama and, uh, and David Letterman. And I was like, this is interesting. I'm going to check this out. I was asked not to play this video today, uh, and so um, I, I didn't. Uh, but anyways, this video was super cool, and I, I said I got to bookmark that thought. Obama, who is our former president and one of the strongest men in the world, he has a view that many of us don't get to see from, whether you like him or not. Can you agree with that? Yeah. And so uh, in this video, he's talking to David Letterman about the power of social media. And he said in 2013, they realized the power of social media and they released the strongest campaign that any political campaign had ever released in history. 
He said, following that statement, he said, the problem is he didn't realize the power that they had with social media. He said today that world leaders and some of the largest organizations in America have more than the ability to train your thoughts. He said, in fact, the information that's being read to us, we believe we're stumbling on it on accident. In fact, it's all being led to you and training the way you think. This is not from me. This is from a former president of the United States of America. He said that governmental leaders around the world are figuring this out and massive organizations. This last week, I got an email about a truck that was being sold and I like trucks, I like my truck, and I clicked on it. Looked pretty good, the price was awesome. I was like, that's really wonderful. You know what showed up in my, in my newsfeed for the next six days? <laughs> trucks, 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 trucks everywhere. It was weird, a couple months ago, I, was, I mentioned something about the greatest football player that's ever lived. His name is Lawrence Taylor. You don't believe me, Bill Belichick said it. It came from his mouth. And uh, as soon as I said it, I was sitting with some people and at the phone in my hand, I was scrolling and Lawrence Taylor was the next thing on my feed. Your phone is learning you. Now, Obama said, he said that there was a, a, a study done. Uh, they took a liberal, a conservative, and a moderate person and, and gave them one word. They all put that one word into their phone and they all got completely different articles on their phone. And he said the problem is that the right is becoming far more right and the left is becoming far more left. And if you look at it, studies will show you that the thoughts that the right had a couple years ago and the thoughts that the left had just a view a year ago has completely more radicalized than ever before because we believe that we're learning all on our own when in fact, Google is learning your personality and telling you what to think. The Bible would say this. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? By renewing your mind. Listen, Facebook is gonna tell you what to believe. You're gonna see it with your own eyes, truth and perspective from video feeds. You're gonna know that you know that you know that because you, you line up with this political party that you have to be right. But before we are citizens of any party or citizens of America or you follow this anything, we have to be citizens of heaven and see our life through what God is calling us through the lens and make sure, first, Lord, what do you want me to see today? Now, I believe that this is so super important because you have to understand the way that your brain thinks, there's this term out there that scientists have found. It's called cognitive bias. Has anyone else ever heard of this before? A cognitive bias. And it's essentially a mistake in reasoning based on your personal preferences or belief. A cognitive bias. It's a, it's a mistake or because of your reasoning on personal preferences or belief. Let me tell you one of mine this week that I wanted to share with you. And uh, I realized that uh, we all do this. I was uh, raised in a house that is probably different than most of you. My family uh, never said, hey, you must eat healthy food. In fact, I, and this is honest to God, this is not an evangelistic statement, okay? <laughs> I never ate lettuce, a tomato, part of a tomato, or an onion until I was 18 years old. 
I never had a salad in my life until I turned 18. My mom didn't like it. She didn't like it. And if she didn't like it, we weren't serving it. So when I turned 18, I became a Christian and my, one of my spiritual mentors, my spiritual dad, invited me to his house and uh, he, he was having with his wife and his kids and I got to sit down and eat dinner with them and he served uh, this appetizer and they were all excited. Wife tossed it and then put it on the table and, and, uh, and he said, dig in. I said, I, I've never had that. He goes, well, you do today. Everything in my life taught me that that's bad. And what's terrible is, I believed it. And there are many of you here today that would believe the same thing. Whether you realize it or not, your mind, based on your upbringing, vantage point, another community you've been in, have taught you to recognize individuals as a certain personality, or as a skin color, or as a type, and you've categorized it into a definition. Whether you realize it or not, it's wrong, Jack. Foods, you've categorized them. Not so good. It's wrong, Jack. And some of our upbringing has defined who we are and what we believe. Some of the internet today is teaching you who you are and what you believe. But we must take captive every thought and make it obey Jesus. Now, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know because I pray for this church and I talk to many people here as often as I can. And I know that there are many people struggling with depression, anxiety, fear, stress. It's at an all-time high, not just in the world that we live in and not just in Lakeland or in Polk County, but in this community. And we must learn to take captive every thought. We renew our mind and we teach all of our thoughts to obey Christ. God is this what you would cause me to believe. Many of us have cognizant thinking. That's a hard word for me to say. Cognitive. Some of you are correcting me in your brain and you're being nice as you're smiling at me as I'm preaching. It's a nice little man. I like the little preacher even though he can't talk. Here's my... Ushers, can we escort this lady out here this morning? Um, what I realized is that in our life, a lot of the things that we've got to learn to do is change the way we see it. So I'm going to challenge you some things today in your life to change the way you see it. It's a beautiful picture here. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, there's a photo of a beautiful uh, skyline taken from the clouds to some airplane. And if you're not careful, this could be your view. The same picture has a much more beautiful view. And I don't know what your vantage point is today, but we're going to talk about the way that we see it. Because I'm telling you, the stronghold in our brain will convince us to quit before the day even gets started. Based on the way it's always been in my life the way it's always gonna be. When people talk like that, I swear, I let them finish that sentence and I walk away immediately because I don't want that nonsense to get anywhere on me. Oh, it's always been that way. It's always gonna be the same. Yes, it will be for you, Jack. But I'm telling you, God's doing a new thing in my life. Amen? 
And uh, he's doing some things he's never done before. And I'm excited about where my life is going. Because my life is moving in the direction of my strongest thoughts. My eyes are on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, the liberator of my soul, the guy who still redeems, still sets free, still blesses, still honoring, still moving in my finances, still moving in my health. There is nothing that he can't do. And he is the Lord of my life. So you can buy into whatever you've always done. Or you could tap into Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay, here's the sermon. So as I was thinking about cognizant think, cognitive bias and, uh, and the thinking that comes with that, and the food situation that I was upbringing in, it reminded me of a scripture that I was not going to preach until I thought of this story this morning. So this is fresh off the press. Acts chapter 10, there's a story that changed history. Peter is seeking the Lord and like he always does and he's praying about what he always knows God wants for his life. And God is trying to change some things on earth. At this point, Jesus came, he was crucified, he was resurrected, he went up to heaven, the Holy Spirit came down, filled all the disciples and now the disciples are trying to train the world who Jesus is, that Jesus is Lord. He's trying to change thinking and going on and Peter is stuck in a lot of old mentalities. I don't know if you realize it yet, but Christians can still be wrong. I'm going to say it over here. Christians can still be wrong. You can still be wrong. You don't believe me? Ask your spouse. They'll tell you. But many Christians believe that they are right, and the hard thing is what happens when you're a leader? When you're a leader, it's so hard. If you're, if you're a manager or you run an organization or if you're a pastor or if you're the high priest of your home, you're right. Always. And people just don't understand. And Peter was right. And he was wrong. And the Lord's trying to get him to change what he's seeing. And the beautiful thing for this is this chapter, chapter 10 in the book of Acts, has made it possible for you and I to be a Christian, this one dream, one dream can change your life. And it changed this cognitive something. And I'm going to get it right eventually, I promise. Here we go. Uh, Acts chapter 10. And it says this, about noon the following day, they were on their journey and approaching the city. And Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry. You ever get there? I do it all the time. Start praying, and I start thinking about Reese's peanut butter cups, or you know, uh, what, what Five Guys, you know, and juicy fries. And I'm Peter's doing it too. He became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance, meaning uh, he, he, he slipped into a vision. His eyes begin to begin to fixate on something that wasn't there. Uh, some people can consider this daydreaming, but this was a little bit more intense than daydreaming. And, uh, and so uh, he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet began to let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill it and eat it. And Peter said, surely not, Lord. Uh, Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean in my whole life. Felt, kind of felt like me sitting at the table. I definitely eat no rabbit, and I ain't going to eat that nonsense, you know? Like, uh, Peter's like, look, I don't do that, Lord. You know I'm better than that. This happened all throughout Scripture when the disciples were arguing with Jesus because he wanted to go to, the, to Samaria. And he met with the woman at the, the Samaritan at the well. 
And the disciples are like, Jesus, we're above that. And he's like, no, we're never above that. We're never above her. We're not above people. We're not above races. We're not above color. We're not above education. We're not above, we are about human beings. That's, I didn't come here to, 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 to I'm not a doctor to see people that were already healthy, but I came to find those that were sick, right? And so uh, I think about this with the story of Adam and Eve. When, when they're in the garden and Eve looks around and she sees this, this tree and she says, man, this is wonderful. I, I gotta, I've got to eat it. And she already knew the Lord had said no. But she sees it and to her, she sees something different. Peter, he's stuck in his ways. He looks at it and all of his life he's been trained to say no. And here we have the Lord saying, yes, this is weird. This is difficult. And it's hard because the neural pathways of your brain, when you've always said no, and now you have to say yes, is difficult. Does this make sense? It's just a sermon if it doesn't relate to your life. And I don't need it to be just a sermon. We want it to be a word. And a word for you. So what is God saying to the Way Community Church? What is he saying to you? Check this out. Uh, and, and, then, and then the voice called to him a second time. And he says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and he immediately the sheet had been taken back up into heaven. Happened three times. <laughs> I love when this happens to Peter. Peter's pretty stubborn. And oftentimes the Lord has to tell Peter again and again and again. My wife uh, always says that I'm pretty stubborn, and she has to remind things to me more than three times. And so I don't know about you, but sometimes you have to hear things from the Lord again and again and again to take captive every thought and teach it to obey Christ. Some of us have an idea of what God's gonna do because he's always done it that way. But what happens when God wants to do a new thing? What if he wants to change your prayer life? What if he wants to change the way you've always prayed and make it so there's a new way to pray? What if now the Lord is commanding you to type your prayers, every one of them, or write them, or start with reading 20 minutes of scripture or memorizing scripture? What if God is saying something different and you're not obeying? You're gonna miss out, Jack. Here we go, let me keep going. So I'm gonna, it takes me to my first point today. It's, it's, I'm calling it situations. When what we see, we have to learn to see what God sees. You ever have a bad day? I wonder, uh, what, what does a bad day look like for, for us? A real bad day. Can someone just say one thing out loud? Help me out here. A flat tire, that's a bad day. Why? Because you, you gotta be somewhere. You ain't got time for this. It's gonna cost money. You can think of all the things that's supposed to happen that isn't happening because of the flat tire. Anything else? Bad day. Miss a flight. What else? Get sick. Yes. Stubbing a toe. That's it. Stubbing a bad toe can be brutal, especially when there's an ingrown toe. You ever notice that you never, you never ever hurt that toe until that toe is hurt? You know what I mean? It's the worst. Anyways. Thinking about situations that's bad, and uh, I don't know about you, maybe it's your job or something like that. You ever have a, have a, uh, find yourself in a situation where you don't like your job, your job doesn't like you, it just doesn't seem to be fitting or connecting, and it doesn't, doesn't fit you anymore. This is a mentality that a lot of this generation has, like never before. 
when it's not right, it's just wrong, and we want to give up. I was reading through the Facebook this week, and someone had put on Facebook about how uh, they're having a, a hard time because uh, people are disagreeing with them and saying some pretty negative things about them. And, uh, and I feel like I identify with that a lot. As a pastor, it's one of the most unfortunate things in the world because while you think everyone comes to church because they love the preacher, it ain't that way, I promise. It ain't. In fact, more of you find more problems with what happens under the microscope of someone's personality. Does that make sense? We expose a lot of stuff, and it bothers you. And so it gets hard. People say things, and it, it hurts. Well, someone was saying about how hard their day was, and, uh, and it made me realize what we could be missing in our life based on the perspective we have of what a bad day looks like. I bring you our Apostle Paul. Now, God's called him to a career like God's called you to a career. Now, you may not be a missionary. Maybe you are. You may not be a preacher. Maybe you are. Uh, but realize that we all are called and have the same anointing, all of us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, just like the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And Isaiah would tell us it's all the same spirit, all to do the same thing, right? Beauty for ashes, comfort, uh, praise for uh, heaviness, uh, to, to set those that were captive free. And, and we all have the same calling. Whether or not you go to work at Walmart or McDonald's or you fill in the blank, we all have the same calling. Some days are bad. And when we look at bad with a long lens, we can see a lot of things negative. Our apostle Paul had a lot of bad days. Like, uh, you know, I have a bad day, but recently no one has thrown rocks at me until I passed out and everyone in the room thought I was dead. That happened to anyone else? That was his calling, okay? God called him to preach the gospel in situations that were gonna get bad, they beat him with sticks. He was put onto boats. <laughs> Imagine taking a, a boat over to, towards Mexico, and somewhere along the line, the boat breaks down, and you got to swim back to shore, like bad day kind of thing. And the Apostle Paul found a way to praise the Lord. Well, even when his heart said, you know, I want to go to Rome to preach. I want to go to this city to preach the gospel. And he, oftentimes as he's writing these letters, he would say again and again, you know, I really want to come to you, but the Lord won't let me yet. It's hard. It's a frustrating feeling when your heart wants something and the Lord's saying it's not time yet. Anyone else ever been there? Okay, well, let me take you to this scripture about the Apostle Paul and what would look like a bad day. And I'm grateful that he had the ability to reshape what he saw and take captive every thought, and make it obedient to Christ. Check this out. He's in Rome in Philippians chapter, chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. And he says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that happened to me here has helped me spread the good news. Let me stop there. Everything that's happened to me here. Now, he wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel to, to, to everyone, to to. to all the big people, all the small people. He went to go and start churches and show them healing. And instead, he went to Rome to go to jail. And he didn't get out of jail. And as he's in jail, he's finding out that this is as much of a microphone as he's ever going to get. 
And the Apostle Paul changes his perspective from this being something that's not so good to glorious. He says, I want you to know that everything that's happened to me here has helped spread the good news, not the bad news. They beat me with rods. It's a good day. They threw rocks at me. It's a good day. Someone tweeted about me. It was a good day. Some, no one praised me for the job that I did, that my coworker did. It was a good day. I don't know which lens you see the situation that you're in right now, but I know a lot of us get fixated on what went wrong. And the Apostle Paul says everything that's gone wrong, which many of us would consider everything that went wrong, was for the good. He's in jail writing this letter. And then he says in the next verse, listen to this. He says, I tell you, nope, nope, no, it's not it. Verse, uh, for Philippians chapter 12, uh, verse 13, he says, For everyone, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. <laughs> he, he said, he looked, I don't know if you get it. He said, I'm not a prisoner in this house. They're a prisoner in my house. Like, I'm making this my ministry. What if your job that's so bad and everyone that doesn't like you and doesn't recognize all the good things you do, what if you recognize that as your calling? That the people that were, you're in front of were actually put there. There was a time, whether you remember this or not, that you applied for that job and you were excited to get it and you believed when you got it that God was gonna do great things in your life through that job, didn't you not? And you're there and you're stuck. And the Apostle Paul is stuck. And it's all good news because everyone now, all of the guards know why he's there. He's there because, hey guys, good to see you. How's your wife doing today? Hey, how, 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 how are the kids? I prayed for your kids. They're healthy, aren't they? I've been praying for them. I want you to know it. He's not letting them get away. They're like, daggone it. I gotta go see Paul. He's gonna tell me more about this Jesus. And then all of a sudden when he's praying for them, man, it's like there's a purpose again for this job that doesn't have purpose. And then he goes on to say in 14, but because of my imprisonment, because of the chains, because of the shipwrecks, because of the stones that were thrown at me, because of the word and the hatred that was spread about me, because I'm in prison, most of the believers around me have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Whoa, what if... You can change your perspective and inspire everyone else around you. If you're here today and your career or the situation that you're stuck in has lost purpose, let me challenge you to something. I'm gonna stop the sermon right now. I wasn't planning this. If you're here today and you don't like your job, would you stand up? Please, I'll prophesy something to you. Come on. I know there's more here than that. Come on now. Spouses, hit your husband. Tell him to get up. Here you go. Here's what I'm gonna challenge you to do. Let's turn up the reason for why you got the job. I challenge you. Instead of going to work tomorrow for a paycheck, go to work to get everyone saved. See if you can make everyone that you work with come to know the love of God. How you do it? All right. Sometime this week, I want you to buy everyone that you work with lunch. Tell them, 
Friday, Thursday, guys, it's on me. We're buying chicken strips from Chick-fil-A. God's chickens coming to work. And they're going to say, why would you do that? Don't say because my pastor said it. But one time, take my advice. Say this. Because God's doing something new in my life. Because God's doing something new in my life. You know what it'll do? It'll reset their perspective of you also. They'll actually want to maybe believe you. Because everyone wants to be around someone that does something for me. I challenge you to go to work with purpose instead of just a paycheck. You can sit down. I pray over them. Jesus bless them. Amen. Is that good? Yes. Cool. Buy them lunch and tell them God's doing something new in my life. I'm going to put that in the next service. We're going to put that in there. Even if we got to pipe it in. That'll be good. Here's the next thing I was praying about. Some of you are in a bad situation and you have the out, wrong outlook, but you have to take captive every thought and make it obey Christ. There's a situation that I know is happening right here in our church, and I hate it because the devil's a stinking liar. People. Some of us got people all messed up. We got the wrong view of people that God has put in our life. You know the story that I was just reading you about uh, Peter uh, having the, the vision come down? You know, it really wasn't about food at all. It never really is about food. It never really is about stuff. But it was about food. And it may be about food. But it's really about people. What ended up happening was Peter realized that he was ostracizing individuals and not letting them come to Christ because they weren't like him. I've seen churches do this all the time. Oh, you smoke? You can't come to church if you smoke. What? You, oh, you guys drink? Well, you can't come to church if you drink. Says who? Like, that, those are the people that Jesus wanted to be around. If you remember, he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's where Jesus wanted. They called him a wine-bibber and a glutton because he was always around people that didn't know God. Some people don't like hearing that. I'm sorry. Uh, it's always about people. It's always, always been about people. And so the gospel had to change and Peter had to show, God had to show Peter, look, you've got to go after everyone because I love everyone. And many of us have the wrong perspective. And this is what I began to see. Uh, Brady, would you, uh, would you come over here real quick? I begin to see people casting judgment on God's people. Looking at other Christians as if I need to keep them out of my life. With this crazy judgment because they've done something. And the problem is, is we've forgotten how to have individual devotions every day. Where we ask God to forgive us as we forgive others. Who, you know, like where we have, we say the Lord's prayer. Lord, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those that have trespassed against me. And so Brady does something small and we push him out of our life and our growth stops. This isn't just pastors. It's Christians. Many of you want to love God and you're not close to any believers. How are you gonna motivate yourself to be passionate enough to reach the world for Jesus 
If, because you can't get closer to Jesus unless you're closer to his bride. No one can have close relationship with me unless they have close relationship with my wife. She's my bride. If you want to love Jesus, you got to be close to his bride. And the closer you get to his bride, the closer you get to God's heart. But many of us are pushing people out. Thanks, Brady. Patricia, will you stand up? You know what I realized? There are people in our lives that we are calling an enemy that God put there for good. Adam and Eve did it. Eve sinned. She then convinced Adam to sin. Then Adam sinned. He blamed it on Eve. Well, it was her fault. And many of us are doing this. See, I know all of you guys see this lovely, beautiful woman every day. Right? You just see her like she's anointed, super godly. She prays super well. She's super generous. This is my wife. Sometimes I see like, it's not that, it's because it's not that, that's, that's not, that, not because of who she is. It's because if she doesn't do something that I want her to do, I feel as if I can't control her. And now she's got to be ungodly and out to get me. Listen, your partner is not your enemy. And many of you are treating your partner as if they're your enemy. This is your best partner. And when you begin to see them in a negative light, guess what they become? More of an enemy. But when you begin to prophesy over them and remind yourself to take captive every thought, the devil is a liar, and he would love nothing more than rip apart brother and brother, sister and sister, mother and father. He would love nothing more than divide husband and wife. He would love nothing more than to divide you from your church. He would love to make people that God has placed in your life and turn them into an enemy because they didn't do something for you. We've got to confront and take captive the things that God has placed in your life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> listen to this, listen to this. We don't have enemies. There is no enemy in our life. And so when you begin to build a case, when you're standing in front of your computer and you're building a case against someone else that you're working with, every thought coming through your mind is from the enemy. Listen, Jesus stood before Pilate and said, you can, you can take me the Lord wouldn't let you take me unless he allowed you to. So I'm in every situation because the Lord allowed me to be in this situation. Okay. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, if this is your will, then pass this cup for me. If you're in a bad situation, I'm sorry. The way you get out is you honor, you bless, you look, listen to this. This is Jesus, not, not me. This is Jesus saying in Matthew chapter, 40, chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44, he says, uh, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. No, I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. It's so hard to have ought with someone or be frustrated with your spouse when you're praying blessings over them. It's so hard to be upset with your pastor when you're blessing him. It's so hard to be upset with your boss when you're praying for him. When you're praying blessings over people, you can't be angry at them. 
It's hard because we want to see good things happen in people's lives. Because we don't need to be right. We don't have to be right. We can work together. There's a middle ground. And there's going to be situations where it doesn't work out for you. I'm sorry. If the worst case scenario happened to Jesus, it might happen to you too. He is sending us like lamb, lambs amongst wolves, right? Like lambs to a slaughter. Like there's a situation where like, I'm going to get my feelings hurt. It's going to happen. But that doesn't mean that people don't love you. And so what, what goes wrong in our head when we build this case? It's cognitive bias. It's the whole sermon, and I can't get the sticking word down. I should have come up with a better word. I'm sorry. Sweet Jesus. Lord, help me. Deb, would you come? Some of you can't see yourself the way that God has seen you because of the way it's always been. This is that stronghold. Listen, if you don't ever believe that you can get promoted, it's a lie from the enemy. If you don't ever believe you can make more money, it's a lie from the enemy. If you don't ever believe that you can't give your $20 away because it's your last $20, it's a lie from the enemy. If you don't ever believe that you can heal the sick, it's a lie from the enemy. If you currently believe that you can't pray for an hour a day, it's a lie from the enemy because he don't want you to. He don't want you to give. He don't want you to love. He don't want you to pray. He don't want you to be anointed. And you can believe it all you want, but it's your stronghold. It's the prison in your mind. And we got to learn to take captive. So there are situations that we got to learn to see the way God sees them. There are people in our life that we got to learn to see them the way God sees them in our life. I, I, I know this is crazy. I'm thinking about another situation about people. David and Saul. God put David in Saul's life. King Saul hated them. He hated them because he was so good. It severed their relationship and ended up taking Saul's throne. Same relationship, King David and his son, Absalom. And it was the wrong thinking that brought division that severed the kingdom from Absalom. Absalom took the throne from David. He says, I'm going to be king. You can be king. It's the greatest book I've ever read in my life. I probably want you to read it. Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. If you have a problem with leadership or people in authority, there is no greater book than the Tale of Three Kings. I want you to read that. Be good for you. The last relationship that I think that we have to be careful of, one, situations, two, people, three, ourselves, and four, is Jesus. Some of us struggle and have a hard time letting God die for us, take the price for us, fix us. It's like we're broken and we feel like it'd be better if we just stayed broken than to be honest and transparent and let the Lord have his way in our life. The way the Lord's gonna do it is he asks you to confess your sins to one another. You're gonna bring people into your life Confess that you have some pride or some arrogance and let people help you. But we're living on an island and it's because we've always been on an island and we feel like we always have to be on an island. There's no island. 
There's never been an island. You got hurt. You didn't learn how to forgive. And so you pitched a tent. Over time, you built some walls and you kept people out. And right now, a lot of us are keeping Jesus out. I think Jesus wants to do something great in some people's lives, even here, right here in this room. 